Fabulous. Here we are, ready to work out. All right. Um, all right. So let's just jump in and then it'll be great. All right. Now we left off with me in, why don't you say, but we left off with me in um, London. Yeah. I'm really excited to be back here with you for the second part of the story of my yes. sister's life. I learned so much last episode. And I was playing it back, which was crazy, and really enjoying hearing about your passion for music as well as feeling quite sad for the frustrated uh, artist inside. Mm. So I'm looking forward to unpacking uh, what happened next once you are in, you are in London and you are in the midst of your classical degree and go for it. Yeah. So I think we got, I mean, I was trying to like speed up at the end there and then I'm like, this is ridiculous. So we just have to stop. Um, so yeah, to sort of pick up, I was, um, started getting work like from first semester because there just is work over there. And I was meeting all the people at college. And if someone couldn't do a gig, they'd ask me, could you do this gig for me, for example? Right. So they're hearing you sing. So they then will ask you if they think you're good. Um, and from there, then I would just get asked back by the people that I got booked by replacing other people. That's how I started. So you're like um, a sub or a freelancer or what is there a term for that sort of? So you're a freelancer, but you're, um, it's called a dep there, like a deputy. Oh yeah. I've heard of that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of, the, there's a lot of different, types of gigs that you can do especially the sort of works I was doing which is consort singing so oratorial and consort singing either as a like soloist or part of a small ensemble um and yeah there's there's work at there's is there like 80 I think there's 80 churches in London that pay every Sunday morning for you to sing wow right so classical music is really appreciated yes yes okay and big you Mm. who really appreciates that beautiful sound. Yeah. And, I mean, the acoustics in these churches, I imagine a mm. lot of them are, are quite old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I sang in, uh, oh, God, I'm getting this right, Farringdon Church. Um, I believe it was from the 11th century. Wow. And then it was, I think it, part, it was bombed in World War I want to say there was a, like a bit of damage that they redid. It was used as the church in the movie, uh, sorry, in the TV show, The Tudors, which was like a, okay. a shot at Henry mm-hmm. VIII. Um, yeah. That was the, that was the church where they went and, you know, like prayed and had those, those moments of like calling out to God and stuff. And um, yeah, so that's, that's quite old. Um, and I actually sang there for the first time as a dep. There's so many, I mean, I sang in so many churches and most beautiful music. And then um, one of them was down in uh, Hampton Court, the Royal Chapel Hampton Court, where they have a all male choir. And by choir, I mean one person per part. Um, so yeah, you, you're, yeah, so you're, you're a soloist or you're singing like polyphonic music, but you're the only one singing your part. And you sight reading it, you get there and you get the music and you read through it and rehearse. And he says how he, because it's always at the he, the director of music says what he wants you to do, this, that, you've got your pencil, making your little notes, whatever. And then, then you're doing it. Um, and it's an all male choir. But if they can't find a 
male alto they can have a female in, which was me um, this time. So I remember walking down the aisle because you process and someone explaining to someone next to them that it's an all male choir and females aren't allowed as I'm walking past. I like they hadn't seen me yet. I love it. That was a beautiful moment. Oh, man, you need to like turn and go. Yeah, P, not really good. Not quite the thing. I remember. Are you in, as you present, sorry, mm, because that sounds very regal. Right. Are you wearing like gowns or robes? Yeah. Robes. Robes. So you've got a, you've got your robe, you've got your surplus, which is the, I know something you don't know. Yeah. 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 Do. Yeah, so you've got typically a red robe and then you've got your surplus, which is that white. Yeah, kind of, okay. Not a cape, it goes the whole way around, but it's like just like plonks on yeah, top. Almost, yeah. Mm, it's all, it's very baggy oh, and goes okay. on top. It's like yeah. pleated. Um, You're basically and a priest. Pretty much. It's <laughs> the hats, you know, Seinfeld. With, it's the hats. Yeah. So no, but this was the first time I wore, and now I can't remember what it's called. This little thing around your neck with the little white ties. Like I don't oh, know. Wow. I know. But so I remember the first time. I feel like this was the first time I sang there. I walk in, and I'm on alto two, so I'm not the the go to soloist person. So, but the countertenor was late. So he goes, oh, Carmel, we'll just put you on. So it's Carmel. Carmel, we'll yeah. put you, um, you know, on uh, alto one. So I go like on, on the other side. And so I've got all the solos because he he walked in three minutes later. But, the, I mean, time is money. The, these rehearsals are so fast. You always rehearse. You always rehearse. music. Right. You rehearse right before a thing. That's it. I don't even know that we'd started, uh, but I was already there done so I'm sight reading I, I believe there was maybe some personal there was definitely some bird it was uh so delectable and the best acoustic I've ever sung in and you sing and it was just all around you and everywhere it was unbelievable so beautiful sound. sorry I said you're encompassed you're encompassed and and then the um it's so satisfying it's like with every it's so beautiful so what it is you've got alto tenor bass and then you've got about eight boy sopranos. Yeah, so right. it's about eight boys to one of you. And then on the other side, the same thing, alto two, tenor, tenor two, bass two, and, and like eight sopranos, boy sopranos. And they're in the, the frock thing around their neck. And you're like, ah, it's so wow. cute. Yeah. So it's the Westminster Abbey choir sort of in King's College, whatever. It's that sort of look. So yeah, it was adorable. Um, but what yeah, I've noticed so, is mm. that's your, I know we've only just touched on all the work that you did over there, mm. but what I've really noticed is that as you're explaining it, you might not realise that you're grinning. I know what you're going to say. You I know I've just, I w- I've only. are really excited to remember. That's really so interesting. That's really great. And I love that you you love the music. And you were excited at the time and looking yeah. back, you've got the feeling, which is really awesome. And um, in some way it kind of nurtures maybe that go- young girl swiping mm. that violin through, through the air, yeah. I mean, it doesn't take away 
that frustration and pain or what have you. But it's, mm. it's really nice for me as someone who knows you and loves you to see that um, you might not be thinking about it as an achievement as such, but you were doing this thing that you saw. I know it was a violin, but you saw yeah. it on stage and you went. It's the same thing. Music, that, that. gorgeous, pure sound, and you were part of it. Yeah. You were contributing to it. That's awesome. Thank you. This really, as soon as you said something, you were going to like point something out that you noticed. I'm like, I know what it is. And that's crazy. But I I didn't know. I didn't feel like how excited I was, but I didn't know that until you, I was, you know, until you said it, then I went, I I can see what's happening because we're, we're late having some technical difficulties, you know, and I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. And then now I'm just like, like, who was that person who was tired five minutes ago? I'm more like excited. I know. I know. That's great. So and it's cool to realize mm. there's still more to your story. But, yes, and I, yes. but I do want you to list off at least mm. the other amazing so the highlights. things that you yeah. were part of. Yeah. So, um, yes. Yeah, so I'm doing this sort of stuff. I'm doing some oratorio solos. But I think the thing I was um, saying at the end of the of part one was I'd been given this list of um, you know some some people that I could contact people to audition for. And I contacted London voices and they said, um, when you get one of these London groups on your CV, like once you've worked with one of these, then get back in touch. And, um, and I, then I told that story, I think that about the sight reading test and everything, and I didn't have to do it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I worked with Gabrielli and I was in France on tour and then I get the email from London voices, um, do, you know, saying that, oh no, that was when I actually, I think I got this wrong last time. I was in France when I um, got my first job offer from London Voices and it was for four singers to record. I think it was the, mm, I'm not going to remember, four singers to record some movie trailer or something. And um, I, the, the, there's two people in charge of London Voices um, and one of them is a former, I'm going to try to say this again, because I'm all like, Ugh. all right. One of them is a former British basketball Olympic player. Okay. So he's, he's like seven foot. He's maybe <laughs> seven, seven, two. So I'm hired by this guy and this other guy who is closer to my height. Right. I'm so we go and run through the music in the um, sound booth, like before the the the, the um, audio area before we go out, out to where we're going to record. This is at Abbey Road Studios, and I remember um, we get the music. We're sight reading. There's four of us, so you know one per part. And for some reason, even though I'm not the soprano, I'm on the end, and he's then next to me, and I'm like, oh, should I? And so I'm like, this is crap. Like. I'm sight reading in front of the person who hired me. It's, I don't want to ruin this. Towering like, over you. Please. Yes. And so absolutely towering. He's just standing there and he can see the music. And am I getting it right? I'm like, I don't need this right now. And so I say, I'm trying to be clever. And I go, oh, should I go like over here? So we're like in order. He goes, no, it's fine. I'm like, no, you don't. It's not fine. It's not fine. <laughs> anyway, so similar to the audition for Gabrielli where, um, you know, I'm like, oh, hang on, wait, no, oh, no, that's right, you know, and just that moment of terror, I'm there 
singing. We're, we're doing a sound check for like the composer, like a sound check and also just like a levels, like, you know, blend, like whatever. And he leans over, he points, he goes, oh, hang on. Oh, no, that's right. Like while I'm singing in real time, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyway. Man, this so, sight reading skill of yours had like has really came in handy. Yeah, Amazing. so th- that is absolutely an essential skill over there. If you, you know, if you don't have it, yeah. you, that's it. That, because they don't spend time rehearsing like they do here. It's walk in, be able to read it, and then now we're recording. So that's what happens in all of these recordings. You get it. We go through it. Anything like cut off here, this, that, there, louder, softer, whatever it is, now we're recording. Like that's it. And same with uh, performances. That one in um, that one in France, oh, this is what I was getting to. There was two different programs. We had two concerts in different cities in France, maybe, um, or just different areas, two different concerts and two different programs. We had one rehearsal in London on the way then to the airport. So because it costs money to get people out. So they pay them, you get paid for everything you do. I remember some person saying that they don't open their mouth without a paycheck. Like Linda Evangelista, not getting out yeah. of bed, right? And um, so we rehearse one of the programs, the one that the other people hadn't done. So this is my first job. A lot of these people had done some of the programs in the past. They've like, they'd be like a repeated program, but, you know, in a different country, different city. So they rehearsed the one program that none of them had done. And obviously I hadn't either. They didn't rehearse the one that most of them had done before. So we go rehearse it for the second time ever in the venue, then we have dinner, then it's the concert that people have paid money to come and see. Oh, and in this rehearsal, he's giving out solos. He's like allocating solos. And then he goes, who hasn't had a, so- had a solo? I am looking at the floor <laughs> like, please okay. don't do this. This yeah. is baptism by fire. Like, but we're talking sight reading the solo because we haven't rehearsed the whole thing in London. <sighs> I'm sight reading the solo in the venue the afternoon of the show. And the pressure on that, which is, you know, the the performance anxiety, it's all in the mind. And I've learned so much about settling the mind. This is important, you know, so that you can do your best job. I'm still not there, but I still have to tell myself every time. So I got a lot of it right. What is great is like I'm having nerves that no one else is having. I'm the only Australian as just about always. I met one Canadian once. The rest of the time, everyone is British because they're all the good sight readers and no one comes in. No one really comes into this click, I suppose. I'm the only person who's not British. So I'm thinking this is the most amazing thing in the world. And a lot of the singers are like, this is normal. Recording at Abbey Road's normal. Going on tour is normal. Like just, it's just, it's just because it's there. And here I'm like, this is amazing. Don't you guys realize how every single thing that we do is amazing? And of course they they can't, right? They've got to, like people who go to Australia, like, oh my gosh, the beach and it's a blue sky. And I'm like, yeah, yes. Okay. You know, it's just yep. so, so I'm freaking out and it went okay. I got off track, like I lost my way and then came back in. It is eight parts at the same time but doing different parts and coming in and then coming in and then leaving and a moment where it's just you. And then it's like someone and then you've right. So I lose it and then find my note 
from someone else and like come back in, like as in get it off another part, come back in, which is great, right? I didn't just stop. Anyway, then in the, um, and I said to the director, I said, I'll look at this in the, in the break. And so in the break, I look at it and then the concert, I did it perfectly, which was great. But I was just very scared waiting for that. I, and I still remember it was on page 21. Yeah, right. Because I was so, waiting for it, like, don't mess this up, you know. And <clears> I knew I, I knew I shouldn't because I'd just gone, that bit's tricky, like how does that fit in harmonically? And then I went, oh, okay, I can make sense of this. Cool. Um, okay. Mm. So let's move quickly. Quickly. Through. Highlights. Classical, mm. some highlights. Yeah. Highlights. So, yeah, uh, another tour with Gabrielli in Spain the following year, which was great. Um, I auditioned for um, St. Martin in the Fields. They were having their, their inaugural fellowship, St. Martin Fellows. So I auditioned for that and got in. I think there were six, eight, six of us, something like that. Uh, and then we went on tour to the US, which was awesome. Um, and did, yeah, a lot of performing at St. Martin in the Fields, which is amazing with the Academy of, um, St. Martin in the Fields, which was cool. Um, lots of stuff with London Voices. So recording for Star Wars, like movies, Star Wars and Avengers. Captain Underpants. Captain Underpants. I played the kazoo. Yeah, nice. Amongst also singing. Um, and then performances like with the London Symphonic and the London Philharmonic um, and. Name Royal dropping Festi- much? Yes. Um, so all sorts of cool things. And this was only for a year wow. since graduating because for personal reasons we won't have time to get into and is personal, um, I needed to move back to Australia. Okay. And so your degree that you got was? A Master of Music from the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Right. Is Okay. When you were there, I remember you letting me know that you met a female composer and that was really exciting for you to think about mm. composing your own music. Tell me yes. a bit about that and how that led you perhaps towards the path you're on now. Yeah. So um, I was at Abbey Road doing a session recording and usually there's a, a pretty much always, I think, a break in the middle. But the thing is for everyone to have a break for 10 minutes and come back. Uh, it was the first time I'd recorded with a female composer, which I wasn't really noticing because the conductor is still still one of the yeah. men. Everyone else is a man doing audio engineer stuff pretty much. I've seen one girl, I think. Um, yeah. But I wasn't, really, I wasn't really thinking much. Uh, and it was for a video game, So Let Us Melt. Jessica Kari was the uh, composer, beautiful music. And in the break, someone told me that she gets mistaken for being an assistant because she's a woman. Mm. And I just got livid. And then when I went back to the second half of the recording, I'd noticed that she was getting spoken over by the men, which never happens to the male composers because they're they're top dog. Right. Yeah. We've got like John Williams on the phone and stuff. No one's talking over over him, right? And I just got really angry, went home and started writing a mass, classical mass. And then I went, I'm not going to finish this without a deadline. So I looked up competition deadlines, like a competition I could enter it into. And as I was looking through various uh, competition, like options on this list that I somehow found, there was a competition going for a song. 
and the song had this great theme about like healing healing the world or making the world better or something. It just sounded really like a contribution. I went, that sounds really interesting. There was a guitar in the house, not mine. I don't know why. I grabbed the guitar and I started writing this song and I went, I think this is good. Like this is moving and lovely. And then I saw that the deadline had passed. So, <laughs> so I'm glad that I didn't see that yes. before I grabbed the guitar because I went, you know what? I think I might want to write songs that go for three and a half minutes instead of a mass that goes for like 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. It's got multiple parts. That started me on it. Then I told you about it. And then you told me about the songwriting club that you were in and that the deadline for this new like term um, for signing up for it was like the next day. So I signed up for that, started writing a song a week with the iHeart Songwriting Club. Shout out, Shout Francesca. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I started writing a song a week on a different theme and I liked what I was writing, which is good, you know, doesn't mean it's amazing, but that's good to like what you're doing. Otherwise, how painful. And then uh, someone at London Voices, so I'm still in England, said that she writes songs and that she has... Um, this guy uh, produced her songs. And I went, oh, that's interesting. So I went and met this guy and he produced a couple of my songs and I, I liked them, uh, but not always like 100%, like the, because it wasn't me. If They were good. But anyway, to, to speed it up, um, move back to Sydney and go to Big Sound with you and meet Ella Fence, who says that you should produce your own stuff because then it will sound like you instead of some guy. Yeah, and that right. really resonated with me on the whole, like female doing stuff as well. Yeah. Um, power. Right. Especially if it's like, Oh, is it all dudes who produce? Like I didn't even know that yet because it yeah, wasn't my yeah. world. Didn't think about it. Um, so I got Ableton and started writing my own stuff. This was the following year and I put out a track after six months of getting Ableton and not really using it all that much, I was um, doing, I was singing. So I'd moved back to Sydney, was doing singing, building up this other thing, didn't really know what I was going to do with it. And, yeah, started releasing music and then uh, started DJing through that as well. Just the stories are way too long. There's way too much to say. So we have to skip well, over some things. In interesting to me is that I you have, this is like, total opposite worlds you know mm. with north and south pole right and um you take to it like a duck to water because you are not like you're very smart but it's a different type of creativity mm. technology te all of a sudden technology is involved which is not the case for classical music no so that is something that well you didn't let it stop you which is awesome because you know, it's a whole new world, basically. Mm. And then you are releasing music. You're saying that as if it's like just some sort of small thing. Like that's that's really awesome in terms of you are putting yourself out there. Um, and obviously happy enough with your final products. So that's really exciting. And then mm. tell us a little bit about w what you felt when you started to DJ. Maybe like what, yeah, oh, that's, that's not a the good same question. As producing that's different. No. Um, I want to I, I wanna get into that, how I felt DJing, because that's actually a, a cool story. But I wanted to acknowledge something that you said that was cool. You were so good at this last week as well, which is really, really lovely um, for me being on the receiving end of this, you know, being interviewed instead of interviewing. 
um, that again, I don't, I don't bask in these things. Like I, I go, yeah, and I released some music and as if it's normal because it's what I expected myself because my standard is I'll be in the, I'll be in the arts achieving something like that's kind of, so, so this all came out sort of out of survival having to, you know, like I always say, I'm like a weed growing up through the concrete. Like it's like, <laughs> like I can't be stopped. Isn't that what a beautiful a image? I, lo- I do, sure. I do love weeds. I love weeds. Um, yes, but, I know. Right, I know wildflowers and stuff. Um, but it's like, so it's survival. Like I had to pivot in order to keep doing being in the arts really because there isn't the work here that there is over there and I didn't want to go backwards to what I was doing before when I'd been sort of having all this forward momentum I think that's kind of what I need to do and what I think is probably quite healthy in life ideally is to keep moving forwards um and you're obviously surrounded by creative people or you're drawn to creative people yeah I'm drawn to you because right um you you hear ideas and different things from the people that Mm. you meet I think that I that is, it was later that I realized when I did this course, trying to figure out, you know, just what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I'd never done all this sort of work on my career on like figuring out what I'm doing. Cause it was sort of clear, like I knew the path and now it's what the heck, you know? So it was doing this course that said um, that you had to write down three things people have always told you you're good at. And I thought, well, this will be a waste of time. Like this is for people who don't know what they want to do. I've known since I was five, but it had to be three. And that was really, really helpful. And of course one was music, but one of them was um, being a good listener and like listening to people and caring about people that I'd always been told that. And that's actually what got me into doing a podcast because I've realized that's a part of myself that I've not really acknowledged and I remember it was after just starting to produce and just getting behind the decks for the first time not playing live or anything but just figuring it out a bit I remember meeting my beautiful friend Susie shout out and immediately like just talking to her in a club and as I always do you know, I do dance and everything, but I'm often off to the site having a DNM with someone in a nightclub and asking, she's a painter and we're talking about this and she's talking about how she felt about it and it's really hard and the struggles. And I just love those conversations. So I can't even remember how that's relevant. I'm sure I'll play it back and I'll figure well, out what that I segue think was. That it is because you I surround my, I'm drawn to people. That's what yeah, it was. And you appreciate the beauty of art because if someone had been telling you their story about being an engineer, I just, I don't think that would have really, you would have been so taken much. by it. You're, you you're dead right. You're dead so, right. Or even if like they were talking about being, you know, a professional AFL player perhaps or something. So. Yeah. And. Um, and I don't get impressed by like a CEO of something. That don't what? impress me much. Uh what does impress me though the other thing that I get excited about is if someone's working in um with people like caring for people that's the that's the other thing that makes me go oh wow that's amazing it's the arts and that so that's really interesting in terms of the DJing the first time I remember I played a an old classic breakbeat track which I'd love to look up and figure out what it was and I went oh my gosh you know what's in the same key as this and it's this hip-hop track and I looped this hip-hop vocal with the breakbeat track that's like one of the first things I did and I went hang on do I get to choose what music I'm playing whereas as a classical singer I didn't have any 
like I felt so powerful. I felt so empowered. Like, do I get to make a decision? It was really cool. And I went, this might actually be really for me. Um, and that's when I decided to really like get into it. Also, what we haven't said is that you've always liked dance music. You like, um, you like yes. not only like dancing, but you do like dance music. Yes. So, uh, yes, I used to might... go clubbing before I right. took the singing more seriously, as in before I knuckled down and stopped going out late so I could hone in on my voice. Like right. I always took it seriously, but I wasn't always doing the things that were required. I didn't and really so get you, it. You knew music, basically. I knew music. I knew dance knew... music. Yeah, exactly. I loved and... it. But I never and you thought... do have a memory, you know. Yeah, I got a, 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 an amazing memory. So remembering songs that you've heard, mm. listening to a lot of. I mean, there would have been a time that you probably didn't listen to a lot of like pop yeah. music or dance. There, music or there's a whole period of time where I don't know any of this music, and right. I just missed it because I was only listening to the music that I was learning and singing, and that was all I had brain space for. So everything else was yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a right. big hole. In, but you maybe know, that's where you had a hole. Mm. The other people are probably probably playing music from that area. And you might, if mm. you're a little bit earlier than that, like playing some music from when you were mm. and then just starting to, that could have given you that point of difference because you've often said that your selections mm. are not where everybody else goes, which I do believe comes from your musical uh, understanding you know, mm. oh, hang on, this might go with this. Someone else might yeah. be thinking BPM. Someone else might be thinking, oh, here's another banger that everyone likes. You're right. thinking a bit more musically perhaps. Yeah, I do think that I approach it differently because, I mean, of course I won't be the only one who approaches right. it like this. And the more actually I've seen artists in Europe, the more I see some people, not everyone, doing the sort of thing that I did instinctively that first time yeah, because right. I didn't have, I wasn't like taught like a friend of mine showed me where the buttons were and when she was explaining things, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me because she was talking sort of mathematically and I was thinking musically. Yeah, I'm like, right. I don't understand what, like, so it didn't, I didn't have a, I made my own style and that, in, that was instinctively what I was doing. Um, yeah, and so I do mix genres a lot from the very, be from the beginning and it would be a lot easier, I think, if I had a formula that made sense and I do get the idea that that's what a lot of people do and it is I, I get it and people often sort by the key and then they play all stuff you can have play for an hour in you know E minor yeah, right. and and everything kind of goes with everything or it's you know and I I you know there are other musical elements I don't that you can do find that. as the common but what what gets me excited is oh my gosh you know what would go with that right now yeah yeah right absolutely is, and, and so that's what I like. You started to learn. You obviously had to hone your skills. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. did it take you long to get to play live? So December was when I first started at all. Um, and then I did my first live set in May. Yeah, right. Um, and then I went in your shot, the competition as a wild card, which is for people who've been playing for years. Uh, where I really needed to go in as someone who didn't know how to play and who did a little um, course, but I wasn't yeah. available for the course. So like I, I wasn't free to do it. So I just, and other people were going in it 
and or people had done it the year before and I felt like this was something I needed to do. So mm. I went in as a wild card and my set was crazy as in genre, just like it was nuts. Um, and that was actually the first time. But again, this is in July, I think. Mm-hmm. So this is six months after I started. And I think this was the first time I played a trance track with a, a hip hop vocal of acapella vocal on the top yeah, right. um which is then something that's yeah sort of thing I love um I really did love that set a whole lot actually um but that night so I started getting busy quite quickly I did the same thing that I did for my career in London I go I know how to do a freelance career you put your hand up for everything someone says can you fill in for me you say yes then you figure out what you need to do in order to meet yeah. that requirement very different from classical singing. If you need to do something by heart, you need to not only have it memorized, yeah. have it sung into the body and your your muscles and figure out where's the difficult part and portray it and whatever. This this you can sort of prepare and it's there. Did you feel it's some quite freedom in skill. that? That you didn't mm-hmm. have to quite um what's the word? Obsess perhaps or not, not Yeah. Obsessed. Or just that it's a little less a, a little more free, perhaps. Mm. Or a, absolutely more spontaneous. free yes yes just having any any say in it at all like it's so right like my standard was so low for joy in that way um mm. and I was excited it was new I had ideas coming like left right and center and then um and I'm producing like at the same time so I'm just like really quite immersed in this while I'm still singing doing doing gigs um but where were we well, you've your shot and yes. Just- so later that night, I had a gig. So I did this competition, and then I had to go and do a gig sure. um, at Tokyo Sing Song, which was great. And then I love Tokyo Sing Song. And then went back, I think, back to your shot and saw my other friend play, and then went back to like an after party, blah blah blah. So yeah. Um. What I was going to say was cool was that I'd gone from singing to dancing. So. It was so it's so freeing to dance and move around as opposed to classical Dancing singing. Really was still a love that you had it from a young age as well. Absolutely. Ballet and then the dance thing at school. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, So very freeing. Now in terms of whatever you'd said about it being sort of less stifling or more freeing, it was what came to mind was there was one week, I would love to go back and see what all the gigs were. There was one week where I had eight gigs in one week, which is quite a lot, right, especially in Sydney. I was so proud of myself you know what? I'm proud of myself now. I don't know if I was proud of myself at the time. I was probably just blinkers on find something you can do with this city in, you know, to replace classical singing and um, eight gigs. And I remember that I was sick. This is pre COVID. So I just, I had like a a cough and a bit, you know, a cold or whatever. And I remember thinking if I had been a singer, I would have had to cancel this whole week of gigs and probably the next week. Um, Yeah. That's a lot of income. It's a lot of income. It's completely different. So I'm like, I can just kind of turn around and, you know, and carry on. I'm not in a microphone or anything, not that I was a singer, but, you know, it's totally, oh. And then I remember one of the gigs was at uh, the Beer Garden at the Roundhouse, which I still play, Um, and one of them was at the Sly Fox for Birdcage. Shout out. One of my favourite gigs that I used to be booked for quite regularly on a Wednesday night. And um, I remember that I dragged my ass there so sick and um just like kind of like fluey fainting or whatever and I get there and 
you have to get there early. You'd want to respect the event, even though you sit, get there a bit early, see the DJ before. Then I played. Then I danced, I think, for another hour to the next yeah, person right. because I had got myself up on a high and was so excited. So it's anyway, it, it that was a completely different life to your class. I think I life. was on from like 12 till 1.30 or something mm. and I stayed till like 2.30 dancing in the, in the morning, obviously, yeah, on a right. Wednesday, on a Wednesday. Um, so you yeah. did have, you were having lots of gigs. So you built this up pretty yeah. quickly. Pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, well, you had something to offer and you were bringing a lot of a lot uh, of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. I mean, I've seen you dance behind the decks, you know, yeah. and a lot of a lot of I mean, joy is this word we keep throwing around. But I mean, gosh, mm. I don't know what better word is it? It's mm. be because what are people going out for? They're going out to have a good time, right? If they don't right. feel like having a good time, they'd just be at home on the couch. But they right. want to have a good time, they want energy, they want music, they want to be immersed. And someone's got to provide it that for them. And it's not this just girl. someone standing still. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I was out the other night and there was just yeah. this chick who was standing, I'm not joking, and she was like, I was like, ah, yeah, what I are you doing? You're bringing I, nothing here. You might as nothing. well just not be there. Right. So I think, you bring a I think lot to the table. And as singers, I think we're used to performing and engaging with the crowd and that's kind of like a given. There's like that's not going to not happen. So, that's true. That is yeah. really true. Okay, so you are in the thick of it, getting lots and lots of gigs mm-hmm. and really enjoying it. Yeah. Then what happens? happens? COVID yeah. happens. So COVID was devastating for me because moving back from London was devastating because I'd worked towards. You're at the top. I was at the top. And- for, for me, for, for my field, what I was doing, I, I was doing everything I wanted to very do. very little work. Right. So going back to what I was doing, then starting up in a new field, working my way up, having some success, feeling good about being booked, being rebooked, um, doing a whole lot of different genres, like for like minimal and house and tech house and yeah. techno and deep house. And I mean, I remember that with time, you just still. had too many offers. Yes. So I would, that's great. So I was, what happens with a freelance career eventually is you have to start. So you start off by having to say yes to everything and you build it up then you can start to say no and be selective or and sometimes you have to because it's yeah, on the, at the same time. Yeah. That's exactly it. So, yes, COVID was like this second blow. So I'd already had this, for me, unimaginable thing, uh, losing this thing I'd wanted since I was five. Yes, it was from violin to singing, but it's the same concept. Oh, yeah. Building it up. Oh, my gosh, this is great. There is something else I can do. I love this. This gives me the same feeling that I that classical singing get, gives me when I'm like, this music is so beautiful. Wow. You know, that feeling I got from DJing was the same. Then that goes. I am completely devastated. Initially, we thought it was going to go for about two weeks. Yeah. So it just kind of kept building the the pain and the realisation and then the not knowing. And then just so existential crisis to the max. Oh, I'd, or, I'd had one not that long before. Yeah. And here's another one. So that, that was really bad for me. And I didn't have, I really actually didn't have any techniques to, to work through that as much as I, I wish I, I had, or as much as I do now. I think a lot mm. of people were without resources. Mm. 
internal resources because yeah. it was so foreign, so different. So you can have, um, you know, if you're going to be lose a job, mm. um, it, it that's different to a whole industry falling apart. So yes. It, it's, um, uh, cap- so And it's all those sorts of things in terms of for an artist, it is quite different because if you can't create art, and I guess that's the difference in terms of, um, you know, playing a DJ set in your living room for yourself is really mm. quite different to, yep. to, to performing. Yes. So, um, and being paid. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And feeling valued in that way. Yeah. So, and just as we said, we said the com- you com- the compelling mm. compelment. That's not the compulsion. Compulsion. That's it. Thank the you. compulsion to create art, but also to share it. Yeah. That and to be that, doing it for your job professionally. That you mean that this is what you're there's doing. Bills to va- to there's a lot. Right. There's a lot tied up in it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And. Not only that, there was so much uncertainty as the months went on. Yeah. And because I know you're in Sydney, so I'm in Brisbane, and we really <laughs> did have a much easier time. Our borders were closed and we didn't have as many cases as you did in Sydney. And then also the recurrences throughout, I think, 2021, there was, a, there was like three months of, I think maybe September-ish around or something like that, where Sydney was seriously locked down because yeah. the cases were nuts. And so um, the uncertainty of that, of the end, the light at the end of a tunnel, is it coming, mm. is it not? Right. Do you want to talk about that um, a little bit or would you prefer to talk about um, the other end of it or yeah, I, I'll I'll go through that a little bit, and for the sake of time, yeah, just just do that a bit. So, yeah, so so that time was really hard for me, and I actually wrote a song. So Charlie XCX wrote an album in COVID, like in lockdown, and it was all very DIY, and she was live Instagramming about it and stuff, and so I listened to her talk through her process of what she was doing and got very inspired and I then went and wrote lyrics out because this is when I was still writing songs and producing them I wasn't writing just dance music yet um because I was a singer and you know like yeah still figuring this stuff out so I wrote a page of lyrics which I still have somewhere why don't I have that somewhere where I have kept it safe but it is somewhere in my possession and I remember looking back at it later and going I only changed one word in this I free wrote and then that was my track called nowhere to go and um which is about you know going nuts so and I so going nuts so and I so you know so there's like nowhere to go so I released that track I got um I I had friends make video footage in isolation and send it to me and I put I really wanted to do it myself so I put it together um and made a music video of my friends, they were all basically all DJs or DJ friends um, and what they were doing in lockdown. Just so it's actually, yeah, if you're interested, check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. 
Yeah, but it was, it was really cathartic, actually. You're talking about making art, the compulsion to make art. I mean, why did, it, why did I do that? I wrote, I wrote a song. I produced it. I actually I made it in a day, then the track. And then, then I did go to someone else and mix it down with them because I was still doing that. I do my own mix downs now, but it was there playing it and he's, you know, refining it or making it punch out a bit and all the things that you do. Um, but I wrote it in a day and then the music video um, and then, so this is 2020. So this is really, in the when did this come out? Like June? It came out only a few months after COVID started. It um, didn't take us long to go nuts being isolated. Pretty much. It really pretty much. didn't. It's not no, how no. we should be. No. Um, and especially artists, uh, well, creators who are out and performers about. Performers. And performers. In exist- your- um, extroverts and all this, yeah. Um. So it was then the following year, 2021, that I did my debut EP, which was uh, more of a collab. So it had that, a remix of that that I did and two other remixes that other people did and then a, a new track from me, Your Love. Um, so that was cool. But, yeah, so I did that. Then also I went to a hens party when we were allowed to have a hens with like 10 people or something and some. And I thought I should take photos. No one's been taking photos. This is someone's hens so I took photos and then the person who was hosting it, who I didn't know, she wasn't the bride, she was the host. Um, she said she had a professional camera. Did I want to use that? And I went, sure. She showed me how to use it. And then I didn't put it down all night. And I went, oh my gosh, this is another thing that gives me that same feeling that I thought only classical music gave me by doing it. Not, you know, dancing. I obviously always loved, but never was was doing the music producing or DJing. So I went, oh, my gosh. So then she lends me the camera. She goes, do you want to borrow it for a while? I'm like, yeah, I do. So then I go and start doing shoots with, like, friends and various things. So now I remember. basically was so this- creative and great. Thank you. Thank you. And, yeah, again, just ideas coming out of me that, you know, that, and I really love that early work, the first sort of shoots well, that I did. you're not just taking the camera, pointing it and clicking. You are no. seeing stuff. You know, yeah. as a creative person, you're going, oh, this could be great. X, Y, Z, you know. I'm excited. Just yeah. excited about and the ideas. Would, yep. And again, it's you would be feeding that excitement back to the people right. who are in the room. Right. So, yeah, to, to skip through it quite quickly, yes, it, it was awful and it, it felt like it was never going to end this whole time. But I wrote that track. Um, I ended up writing a feature article for Tone Deaf magazine. Um yep. Carmel's top five things she's learned from isolation. So I'll post that as well, actually, because that's yeah, quite interesting it. in the show notes. Um, yeah. And um, so by the time things opened up and we had like three false starts here, yeah. opened up, I was DJing, closed down, opened up, I was DJing, closed down. Uh, so then I start doing photography as well. So we're going into like 2021. We still closed down. I remember we closed down in sort of April, May-ish in 2021, still over a year after. Uh, so the whole scene had changed. Um, everything just kind of felt different. I'd changed my style. I started mm. then writing different sort of music, just dance music without vocals more as well, sort of went down that path. Um, and pretty much since then have been doing a combination of DJing, producing and like releasing my own tracks, um, also doing some producing for like um like a promo video and and other things oh yeah and then, the, cool. and then the photography still little bits of singing much more rare now and then teaching teaching djing teaching ableton 
and um, teaching singing and piano. Yes, most of the time. I think there's always going to be something that you that is annoying or difficult or something. But I get a lot of satisfaction from helping people do something better or helping them with their nerves and yeah. they're like giving them more self-belief, which is again this part of me that, that relates to the podcast. Yeah. So you've got a lot of mm. experience. Right. And then you've got that musical experience as well to share. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think I know that sharing like information and tidbits and advice is something you really enjoy. Absolutely. Because I mean it's part of helping people. That's exactly right. If I feel I can oh, add some value yeah. to someone, That's I'm it compelled to again (laughs) um so again it's so interesting that I never knew never never recognized it until I did that course I'm really grateful for that you know name three things people have always told you you're good at everybody should do that oh my gosh because you think it's this one thing but to reflect and go Mm. hang on there are other parts of me um I remember a teacher once saying to me you know it's only singing and I'm like, well, you don't know what you're talking about, yeah, do you? Because right. he's like 65 or something. And I'm like, you obviously don't know anything about life. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't. What do you mean it's only singing? What a joke. He already had like an international career. Um, but, you know, sometimes you need to go, okay, maybe there are other, uh, other parts of me and that doesn't make me a failure to actually engage in something other than one thing that I've been brainwashed to sort of feel like, accidentally brainwashed to feel like, you know, this is the be all and end all of my yeah. self-worth. But so, yeah, so then, so that's 2021. I start teaching more for income mm. and um, yeah, the photography was good. So doing that in nightclubs and then starting to photograph DJs as well for their promo videos. So just getting so much joy out of like someone who doesn't feel comfortable and then just making them laugh or asking them a question. And they go, oh, yeah, and I'm like, there's, there's the really shot. Know, yeah. You know when to click. Right. And it's excitement. It's it's not only, I mean, you've got to think about lights in these dark places as well, mm. but it's the, it's the moment you, you know, it really does. I think your shots and good art and good photography, it's, it's like the picture is alive you, yeah. you are, and you are there. It's, it's not two dimensional. There's energy there. Yeah. yeah. It has absolutely. to be for me in the eyes. It has to be capturing something that was real and valid. Yeah. And, and not just pose. So it needs to, that's what I love. I love capturing a moment that brings me so much joy. Um, uh, there's that joy again. Um, but so, so since then, basically just building that up more, listening to podcasts like crazy since, since moving back to Sydney and just somehow finding them and just for survival, really to be inspired, encouraged, come on, keep going. Cause things felt so hard. Um, and then that made me think if I do a podcast, maybe I can help other people the way that podcasts really, really kind of saved me from Mm. just uh, giving up. Although I don't think I was ever going to, I give up for times and feel Mm. terrible. And Mm. then I just get back up because I can't help it. This is, and I just know that I need to do this. Like I just need to. So I keep finding other things that it's electronic music. COVID takes that away. It's photography, you know, okay, now I'm just doing all these things, in, including the podcast, and I want to write, like, some books, which I wanted to do for a while, and yeah. some courses and just just so many things. But I'm doing – I'm writing a lot of music now, like, producing a lot, and I've got a bunch of releases coming yeah, out. And, and, it, and your, your, um, your releases or your tracks, they are being noticed across the globe, actually. So you've – tell me a bit about that. I know that you've had songs on labels <clears throat> from other places and you've mm-hmm. actually – gone back you've gone recently been in the UK and you did some cool gigs yeah 
So um, I think my first, so I self-released the first three tracks. I didn't even know how to do anything else. And then, then um, my, that first EP where I wrote a new track that's called Your Love is the EP. And then I did a remix of Nowhere to Go and then two other remixes of Nowhere to Go are on there. That's out on a label in Berlin, Tuflas. Um, that was that first release. And then the next one must have been Extra Spicy in Sydney. And they, I wrote an EP. It goes for 18 minutes continuously. I just wrote it from left to right. So it's kind of like a DJ set for 18 yeah, minutes. Right. And then it, I divided it into like, this is obviously headed to a new spot. This is a new track now. Um, but I really enjoyed doing that. So that's out on Extra Spicy in Sydney. Then the next thing would have been another track on a compilation for Extra Spicy. Um, and then I did my first bootleg of Entrance Set Me Free, which was cool. And then I had an EP come out in Dublin and then a remix of that EP come out in Dublin as well. And then I think I've done a remix for someone for a Sydney label and another track in London on a compilation that was raising money for um, Safe Passage UK, which is for refugees. Um, yeah, so that was really good. And then, yeah, so I've to got make this more happen. stuff coming out. I've got, I've got a remix coming out in London, another track coming out in Bristol and two EPs in Sydney at the moment that are all kind of like locked in. So 2020 is three years, three and a half years ago, say, since COVID. You've done a lot and that's worth giving yourself a high five over, you know, be, yeah. Shout out Mel Robbins. Yes. We love Mel Robbins. Check out her podcast. Yeah. Sure. Um, you have continued to create and there is part of a hustle. So to get into, obviously, so you're going to, you, as you said, you had your career in classical singing and mm -hmm. you had to work. Um, to make that happen on your craft, right. but also obviously on, uh, be it networking, <clears throat> sending yourself out there, mm. you know, putting oh, yeah. yourself out there all the time, right. which can be incredibly, um, well, it make, it's, it's put, making yourself vulnerable, right? Mm -mm. And so you've continued to do that through really difficult times where the world is difficult and for you personally it's difficult that you've shared a bit about. Um, so that's absolutely fantastic that you've done that. I mean, I say congratulations, but I think the lesson is, and for you to, to know that you things can happen. Your art needs to be good. You know, mm. it doesn't matter what kind of marketing you've got. If you're a terrible hairdresser, people will not come back. <laughs> so um, your art has needed to be good. You're working on your craft and then you are sending it out to people to, for possibilities mm. and, you know, and a number of them have come back. Like you're list quite enough, you know, you're listing off the things that are coming back. So yeah. that's awesome. Uh, Thank you. And um, perhaps you could, I think you've led up to pretty much where you are now. Is yeah. There, yeah. Are there well, some mm. uh, insights that you would like to share about where you are now? Yeah, I think something something that I'm focusing on or, or trying to focus on is, is getting back to that joy because a lot of what I do is on my own and I'm such a people person and singing was always with other people, even if, you yeah. know, if it was like a, a, a pianist, but often an orchestra and other singers. And um, 
it's really different, you know, doing such solitary stuff, which is why the podcast is also amazing because I get to have an inspiring conversation at least once a week, um, okay. which I which I just love. It's That's giving me so so much, yeah. so fulfilling. Um, and I'm trying to get back to the joy and less about the outcomes because sometimes things are tough. Sometimes you're on a roll and things are going really well. And then they're not going quite as well as they were. Or you, you, you know, when I wrote um, my second release for extra spicy, I wrote three tracks in, I believe two days. Um, and I sent the three of them to extra spicy and she goes, these are all great. Um, we'll definitely take this one and then put it on, you know, I just, I just spat it out. Mm. And that is, that is how I do my best work I believe like my instincts the more I pick something apart I believe I just make it worse over time and oh, like that's, that's what right. my right has shown has shown me <laughs> that's that's the evidence I have but the joy instead of worrying if this track or this EP that I send to a label will be rejected just loving the art or or this DJ mix has to be perfect or I really want to be booked by this person that's very egocentric, much as it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like I'm saying I'm not good enough and I'm humble, but it's that actual ego, the real ego that is looking to be validated and everything instead of giving and just the the, the love and the joy. And do I have something to offer? Yeah. Could Do I think I could take a really beautiful picture of you? Yes. Do I, I've got ideas, you know, coming out. We try this. If it doesn't work, let's try that. And the same with music. I, I just sit down. And and write something or go or practice DJing going, oh my gosh, you know what would go with this? Like it's that, it's getting back to that joy and put the like it's it's work, put the work in in the time and you know, respect it, mm. but just not being hung up on how it will be received. Because if you've put your time in and you believe in your art and your own style, and at Seth Godin, shout out says it's not going to be for everybody. There, there will be people who do yeah. not like your art. There should be. It's not for them. But if there's people who it's it's for them and they love it, like, I mean, what's better than that? So for me, just yeah. getting back to the purity of it and the thing itself and the joy and the giving and the serving and going, oh, my gosh, I think people are going to really enjoy this. And And on that note, when I was, I often don't play my own music out because I feel inadequate. And I go, how could I play one of my tracks? Surely another track that I've got here on my USB by someone else is going to be better. Like it doesn't feel right somehow. In London, um, the set I played before um, I flew back a few weeks ago, I played three of my tracks in that set. Two of them were brand new. Um, one of them I'd written over there like, like a, a week and a half before sent it off quickly to be mastered. So it was, you know, at the right level loudness wise to play. And I opened with that track. I wasn't sure if I was going to play any of my music in that set. And then at the person before I'm like, Oh, this, this would go really well. And I played it. And so I've got video footage of people, you know, dancing like this and it's in green. It's on my Instagram. Um, it's like green backgrounds, like with the green lights and it's dark and just, you can just see the silhouettes of people's like hair and stuff dancing. I'm like, that's my song. And, and then it sort of starts off, it starts off half time and then it goes double and you can see people then like moving to it. And I'm like, I'm actually giving them yes, something, not just, Hey, look at me, but like, look what I did. I gave that person joy. She's going like this with her head. Like she's feeling, I made someone feel something like that's, that's worth doing. 
not yeah. making it and going, please love me, please love me. Like that. Yeah. So bollocks. that's, this is a great realization. I imagine it's quite hard to, to keep that. Yeah. Um, or to feel that all the time when any kind of work in the arts is mm. filled with rejection. Yep. Uh, to, no, I don't want that painting. No, we're not going to produce your play. Mm. Uh, I won't star in your movie. It is, yes. you know, or, what, oh, or something. Endless. Or um, no, we're not publishing sorry, your we're, book. We're going with another DJ on that night. Right. Uh, I don't have any work with, for you. Don't call again. Or you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> please um, stop calling. It, yes, thank mm. you. Exactly. She's not taking your calls right now. <laughs> so, and that is very unpleasant mm. uh, for something you've created. You are not just calling up random people trying to sell a photocopier. They don't mm. want you. It's not a personal rejection of you who you haven't made the photocopier, you know. Right, so right. It's just personal. At the same time, it isn't actually a rejection of your work necessarily unless your mm. art is no good if you are a right. terrible hairdresser. Or, need, or, needs, you, or needs some yes. work. Right, but if you're a terrible hairdresser, they might be rejecting you as a hairdresser. Right. But you've we know that's not the case. You've done the work. But you still might not get, you still will get these rejections. Absolutely. And, yeah. Have so you- it's hard to keep that. Yeah, what you're making me think of is um, something Seth Godin says a lot about. It's, it's all just stories that we're telling ourselves. So if oh, yeah. I tell myself the story, and I did not have good stories until very recently, and, I mean, old habits die hard. Apparently 90% of the thoughts that we think today we thought yesterday, which is why oh, we man. don't change, right? Right? You have to really do something, like get out of bed on the other side and brush your teeth with your other hand. This is the sort of stuff you're supposed to do to interrupt the normal and and make space for a different idea, a different thought, a different habit. Like I get up and I go to the gym when I didn't, but now I'm going to, you know, interrupt that habit. Um so I'm I'm starting to get better at recognizing when I'm having thoughts that are not useful. They're not productive thoughts. They're not helping okay. me, and I can see them now. And then I can I'm now I'm on the hook. Now that I go, you're thinking this. Once you become aware, and you you interrupt it instead of just living and not thinking and feeling bad, but not thinking anything other than I feel bad. I don't want to do this. Yeah, right. I can't be bothered. Like full stop. Dead end. Now I observe it and now I'm on the hook to go, am I going to continue saying this story or am I going to change it? I'm going to change mm. the narrative. And so if I tell myself a story, rejection is part of being in the arts. If I am going to put my art out there, not everybody is going to love it. You know, then you have these new sort of beliefs and truths you can tell yourself that give you a framework for that rejection because otherwise I'm rejected, I'm terrible, I'll quit, you know, woe is me, let's have a cry. crying of course is great highly recommend but um you know that you won't be stuck there so it is just this this story if you can keep changing it and telling yourself just a a true story instead of these sort of lies that we tell ourselves. i'm no good as simple as um i i create really good art uh i guess um this this opportunity mustn't be right for me wasn't for me wasn't for me. Wasn't That's it. Right and it's not. They, yeah. If they don't believe in your art, they're not for you. Right. Now, and then maybe if, the next thing is like there are other opportunities for me. 
Absolutely. And, then, and there have been. And, I mean, if you listen back to these two episodes, you are not going to be able to deny how uh, much you have been wanted, everything you've created. Your art is wanted and you that is a truth. All of these things that you will hear yourself say, you've got so many truths you can tell yourself, which is really, really exciting. Mm. Uh uh, amid, and I mean that you know, I'm sure we'll never have another pandemic in our lifetime. And um, yes, <laughs> please. Uh, but all of these amazing things about you are still true. And it is interesting how I can say these things, and yet, you know, I can just live in a place of I'm not good enough. I haven't done anything. I haven't achieved anything. And just that the wasted opportunity of not doing more of that stuff in London and to finally have got there and then to leave, you know, like, I mean, the stories that I could say that are true, but are not useful right. and, are, and are not part of a, a, a whole picture. Uh, yeah. Right. And I could have stayed in that and never mm. moved forward from there and actually just done some singing stuff here and taught and been miserable and complained. But I wanted to have the thing more than that, even though I didn't even know it was possible. I didn't know that there was anything else I could do. I, I saw no way forward, but somehow just kept doing stuff because I just had to. I yeah, just had to. had to with no, I mean, no, yeah, I don't know, no real belief. Well, you've like, become no very entrepreneurial. Just, right. You no, have. I know Maybe not on purpose. If you're not absolutely on, well, I didn't want you, to do. Actually, I didn't want to do any of this. I just wanted to like cruise on the career that I'd built, and well, just you know, I, you've had to watch be the checks roll. Actually, in your classical career as well, you've had to yeah. hustle and go out there, and you put on your own shows, and you put on like secret shows, and and all sorts of stuff. When because, as we know, as you've said in Sydney, there wasn't a lot of work. You had to create work. Yeah, and I remember in London, you were in this uh, amazing you're in like a play and you're in another play down here as well. And so you've done that acting, remember? What play was I in in London? Oh. I was in The Importance of Being Honest in Sydney. But then that was one play. The Old Maid and the Thief or something? That was in Sydney. Okay, but then there is a picture of you in my green dress. I do. Um, or, yeah, I don't know, with like Where? the girls. Maybe it was. Oh, my gosh. Then. That was so I forgot about that. That was um. That was a work that my friend wrote using pieces of music that I sang um, and then there was spoken stuff in between you're right that was a holistic piece of art my role was to sing I was acting Again, a bit as well you were yeah you were wanted to be forgot about that to be included in that which is amazing mm. and then um you've done some other work where you've gone off on like retreats and stuff and you've been like teaching and teaching DJ workshops and yeah and, I mean playing up radio got, shows you and... really have you really do have so much to offer and what's you know I do think as well and I really thank mum and dad for the opportunities that we had growing up of mm. um of creative works and then you know you had opportunities at school and the support mm. and it's funny well because it was just father's day here in Australia yeah and I don't know if it was our discussion that we had, um, but, I mean, you're always writing nice things, obviously, on on cards for birthdays mm. and Father's Day. And it made me think about um, Dad. I said, you know, my, my, some memories that I have are Dad teaching me shot, shot put. 
yeah. to reach for the sky and long jump. And I and always being in the audience at my plays, uh, shows, concerts and stuff. And it just, uh, I mean, because we do have a lot of similarities in yeah, our for sure. um, uh, maybe high school years and all that. So, you know, we did, we jumped in two feet and all this kind of stuff. So we've been in so many different types of shows, yeah, uh, performances and so forth. And I think with mum and dad, um, you know, mum working really hard so that we could have that extra money for extracurricular mm. activities and things. And it's, um, and then being in Australia, just having, having these opportunities, but I see you really as that compulsion you said, it is you. You recognize mm. it in that violin. It's like I am this. This yeah. is me, and right. you've, and it's evolved. I mean, as you know, you you don't want the same things as you did when you were seven. No, um, but but it is within this same world, um, yeah. which is which is really cool. I don't know. I I what do they say? Give me a boy at seven, and I'll give him a man. Show or, you, you show know. you the woman. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was the saying. I think. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, of course. And, yeah. That was seven up. That TV yeah. show. Yeah. That was that's why they made that show. Um absolutely. It is sorry, yeah, I just to say, yeah, it is it is all the same. And I did not know that and I would not have believed it. I thought it was one thing very specific. It is all the same because that's what it was when I played those two tracks originally and went, This is the same feeling. I've not had this feeling apart from performing classical singing. And it was the same feeling doing photography and just like talking to people about mental health stuff or making breakthroughs or anything that's going to help both of us. I go for a walk with my friend Ant, you know, a few mornings a week and just our conversations. Oh my gosh, I'm so full of joy. That's it's, exciting that you've it's got actually so many all the same. That you can feel this. Yeah. I mean, and I need are good. To... And we, we talk about this a lot. Sorry to jump in. No, please. It, it was something else that you had said about stories and things I know you're mm. often saying to me and I love this I'm not sure who you got it from like that the feelings you've got to recognize them but they do pass yes so it's not um that it's great it's to have them but it doesn't actually I feel like I'm nothing that mm. doesn't mean you are nothing right you and are not your thoughts you want that as well one. thank you that's, that's that book probably exactly you are not your thoughts I got that that's- from Ant and gave it to you um yeah and so yeah. you have so many places that you can feel that joy and excitement yeah yeah and not only feel it but then contribute as well um which which is you know a great reminder for any of the those low days and the key there is that when you have that thought and you're now on the hook I say this all the time I want to be on the hook I want to go now I see what I'm doing now I have a choice before I didn't have a, a choice in the same way I was being, I didn't, I didn't, now I, I didn't see what I'm doing and I, I see the the path and that I can go, am I going to go and put on a boppy piece of music and jump around or go for a walk or call someone and pet myself up or am I going to sit here and go, I can't, but yeah, I've right. seen that I, I know that option now. And if it occurs to me and this is Mel Robbins, five, four, three, two, one, go do it and just Man. get it done. Um, you rule. I did, oh, bless you, my child. I did. <laughs> my older sister thank you father yeah right um oh what one of those things not for I have sinned but for I have whatever some pun I can't remember um I have shopped um (laughs) probably no I can't I I did yesterday I had a really bad morning I'm actually gonna post about this I took a video of it um that it was really anxious crying panic attack kind of stuff 
and decided to do the Wim Hof breathing and the cold plunge. So I did the breathing and then I got in my swimsuit. We are one week out of winter and I went and went to dive in the pool and do that cold plunge. And the only way I could do it was going five, four, three, two, one as well. So I did combination of Mel Mel Robbins and Wim Hof. And then I did that and I did like one, I'm thinking, I'm only going to get Mel Robbins had a love child. Had a baby. It would would be be you jumping in the pool. Oh my gosh. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) There was a comedian. This is the love child. That's the name of this episode. Yeah, Um, right. No, it's a long title. I love a long title. Um, Yes, no, so I went and dove and went, I'm only going to make it to the end of the pool and I'm going to have to get out. And then I get to the end of the pool, I'm like, do two more laps because then you've done it, you're supposed to get into this state, Do you can do that. And then I did those laps and I went, I actually want to do a, a bit more because I started getting in the zone. Yeah. And then my whole body went warm in this freezing cold water and then I was really calm and that's what's supposed to happen. And then I was just breathing and I was just treading water and then I was like, like I'm in paradise Man, there's construction going inside. there's construction going over the fence I cannot hear it I am like and then I just start smiling in bliss and it's just wow so just you Wim Hofed it out of there man yeah out of the ballpark. So, so these are the things I could have continued panicking but I have all these resources now and now I go what are you gonna do you are sharing make them. a choice as well Carmel it's been so awesome thank you to you at length and in depth for you know, two episodes. This is we talk all the time, but this is very not different. like this. Yeah, yes. this is this is really different. So I've loved it personally. Me too. And I'm sure, thank you. Um, your audience has as well. Just thank you so much for your honesty. You've really um, given us your true self, all of you, your heart, and you've really inspired me. Oh, Natalie, thank you so much. Okay. I um, you're welcome. Was it, I wasn't expecting all these that you've been so lovely. Um, ah. and you know, I wasn't expecting you to be so lovely. No, I'm really, <laughs> thank, thank you. No, she's lovely. Thank you for being a wonderful podcast host, a great interviewer. I'm very grateful. Maybe it's I've been... discovered something about myself. I hope so. I have really enjoyed it. And well, I also would love to have you on as a guest sometime. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll yeah. t- turn the tables and you guys can hear all about Natalie and her journey. I fear I'm not quite as, as as enlightened as you are, you know. So I feel like oh, I'm, I'm maybe I'm not quite quite as far along the the journey as, as no, you but, are, but we, that's okay as well. We often figure things out in the episode as well. Like you yeah. you act you helped draw some things out of me and really pointed some things out that I can't kind of escape now. So thank I will you. Thank you, my Bill. You know, like it's in like a, a this like a shrink. I'm an thing. artist. I don't have any spare money. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, All well, right. thank you so much thank for you. doing this with me. And thank you. I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Bye. Thanks, babe. Bye.